Welcome to the Keegan Smith Podcast. Choose what you give your life to or have it stolen from you. My mission is to rewire for power. We've all been gifted massive potential. This podcast is about unwrapping that gift. What if you could? Potentiating wellness, abundance, and movement. Today's podcast is made possible thanks to Prove It Ketones. I got onto Prove It Ketones through Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, and I'm glad that I did. I was following the ketogenic diet, and uh, adding the ketones to what I was doing definitely improved my training, improved my recovery. The research keeps getting bigger, better, wider. So many benefits uh, to this product, and the amazing stories that I've heard from people all over the world who've completely transformed their bodies and their lives with this product makes it a pretty amazing thing to offer. So if you want some, reach out realmovement.proveitnow.com or message me and I will connect you up with a sample. Keegan Smith here for the Keegan Smith Experience. Uh, sorry about yesterday's podcast. I did get a few people uh, messaging me. I had some of the channels muted uh, while I was recording and then I didn't unmute them to uh, save it. So it uh, sent out a blank audio. But it has been updated, so check out yesterday's episode. Today is part two of the How to Gain Muscle and Health uh, series. Yesterday we spoke about the mechanical factors. Like, So there has to be a drive for muscle growth. Okay, The drive for muscle growth is in um, basically the volume of work that you're getting done. It's in mechanical tension. You know, the three things that we spoke about, mechanical tension, metabolic stress, um, and muscle damage. Okay. So if we're getting those things happening and we're, you know, there's a lot of other things that we can discuss around that, you know, how many total sets per week, total amount of volume, how we divide that up uh, throughout the week, exercise selection. Okay. So there are more pieces to the puzzle there, but it, it's, it's kind of a, it's a fairly simple concept that there needs to be a stimulus, uh, for growth. Now, what people often extrapolate from this talk about, okay, there has to be muscle damage, there has to be metabolic stress, there has to be, you know, a certain amount of mechanical tension. And, you know, studies show that uh, mostly, you know, increasing volume and volume must increase over time. And, you know, gradually we're going to do more sets per week and, and all those sorts of things. So people think, okay, cool, I'm just going to go smash myself with training and, and life's going to be good. But the fact of the matter is that I tried that for a very long time and it didn't really do too much. Like I definitely, when I started weight training, I was probably 65 kilos. Um, now on a good day, I'm 85. Um, so, you know, there definitely was improvement through that time, but I think there was a lot of beating the head against the wall. And that comes down to the factors that we're going to talk about today. Okay, so how do we actually get that muscle on the body? One is stimulus, two is response. Okay, so what is the response of your organism to a training stimulus? Okay, so how do we get that response to be in line with what we actually want? Uh, so there's factors here such as hormones, immune function, mineral balance. Uh, these are kind of things that don't get spoken about that much. Um, glandular function, but this is really where the old physical culture uh, really started, you know, back in a hundred years ago and even, you know, longer, the focus of strength training was really about, okay, how do you build enough vitality that you can be a muscular guy? 
And that, that was really the, the way people looked at the challenge. Okay. So it was the early magazines with strength and health uh, and muscle and health. You know, they were talking about building health and vitality at the same time. And that's why a lot of the initial, you know, bodybuilders and performers were, were consultants to kings and queens and, you know, presidents as well, because they were recognized as people who could not only you know, help people to look good, but they help them to actually be good and, and have resilience and have, you know, high level of health and vitality as well. So yeah, a lot of that's been lost be- with dropping the health out of the equation, you know, that allows people to have, you know, smash super high glycemic index carbs around their training and, you know, try and push insulin all throughout the day and jump onto steroids and pro hormones and, um, you know, all the different, um, you know, molecules that are going around now, peptides and and whatever, you know, this this new branch of all this stuff is a shift away from the focus on health. And I'm not, I don't think that steroids are as bad as most of the things that are prescribed by doctors. If you look at the warnings uh, on just about anything you can get prescribed by a doctor for just about any condition, you know, the side effects are probably going to be worse than, you know, carefully planned um, steroids. But at the same time, like it fits the purpose for me. Like we've been blessed with physical bodies and the capabilities that we've, you know, been given and, and a genetic makeup that we've been given. And I don't really see the point. It kind of defeats the purpose. If the if the training is a tool for personal development and it's a tr- tool for self exploration, then you know we shouldn't be looking for shortcuts. We should be looking for for solutions and for long term, you know, methods to progress. This is my philosophy, and and obviously you know there's a lot of guys and girls out there who have a different philosophy, and and you know their their blood chemistry will tell the story of that. But you know from my perspective, you know we we want to avoid replacing hormones, even you know the hormone replacement therapies and such that are. You know, you, I was just listening to Joe Rogan talk about one the other day with uh, Mark, someone, um, for you know, post-traumatic um, guys that have been to war and had you know bombs blow up in their face and basically just shocked the shit out of their systems, and then you know flatline in terms of hormones. If that's the case, then you know probably you know hormone replacement for a time is is worth looking at. Like if it's if it's a question of making life worth living, then. For sure, you know, and he, the guy on the interview, you know, he couldn't really function without them. So, you know, there's a case for it there, but I think, you know, average dude just trying to jump on gear to, to get a shortcut, like, where else are you going to just jump on and try and find a shortcut? Like, you know, we need to be smart, but, we, but I think we, you know, the attitude of just doing the work and being honest about, you know, getting a result is, uh, is a better way to go about things. So let's cut to some details here. Uh, insulin sensitivity. Okay. So yes, you're doing the work, but if you have insulin resistance, insulin, we can think of simply as a storage hormone. It's good for storing amino acids and it's good for storing glucose. Okay. We don't necessarily want to constantly have high insulin to be storing all the time because what happens with any hormone when it's overly present, the body will stop listening to it. So every cell has like uh, 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 what's it, what do we call it? A uh, place to put a key. The jeez, uh, like a key barrel, or I don't know what you call it. It's not on the top of my tip of my tongue, obviously today. But the place where you know you put the key in the lock, right? So every cell has a lock, 
and the lock is the, the receptor site. So when you put the key in the lock, then that's when you get the action inside the cell. Um, so if we, and because this is a biological system, if we have lots and lots of keys, if we put the insulin key, you know, lots of that in the blood, then we'll start to have less locks on the cell and less openings, less possibilities for that to be activated on the cell. Uh, because yeah, the body will always respond to those systems, and that's you know a key thing in steroids with cycling steroids and you know uh, pulsing doses and stuff is to avoid um, the receptor site you know down regulation. Um, SARMs are receptor site uh, you know adjusting uh, molecules, and they're you know that's that's one form of uh, taking steroids basically is to adjust the way the body responds um, to what's actually there in the blood okay so we don't if we're constantly having carbs all through the day and we're having huge boluses of carbs around workouts massive you know intra carb workout initially that could work well but as this system becomes broken as you have you know higher baseline insulin low receptor site sensitivity low response to insulin then what you're going to get is insulin resistance and hyperinsulinemia so hyperinsulinemia is linked to all diseases all cause mortality uh, you're you're much more likely to die younger if you have hyperinsulinemia so yes it's great to have uh, high insulin to store your amino acids after a training session we want that but if we constantly have it high then and and go for that year in year out then that system is at some stage likely to break and and you might know someone who has high carb diet and and you know uses a lot of carbs around their training that doesn't have this problem that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case for you. Happy days if it is for you. If you're having carbs all the time and you're shredded, um, then congratulations. Uh, hopefully, the you know you're not getting damage in other tissues. That means your muscles are still insulin sensitive. It doesn't mean all the other tissues are. But for the most part, um, you know you're you're probably winning. Um, but if you do have that insulin issue then it's going to be very difficult to gain muscle and it's going to become easier and easier to gain fat, okay? So a lot of people who have been through the biosignature education, here I go bringing up uh, Charles Poliquin again, you know, they fall in love with big carb doses around workouts and that's great for super lean guys training high volume um, and training hard and especially if you kind of pulse it. But it, it eventually leads to a lot of people becoming insulin resistant and, you know, just being fat all year round and there's probably you know the majority of people who like bodybuilding style training you know they they just they have high body fat you know i'm reading vince gironda's book at the moment one of the legends of bodybuilding coaching and a guy who immediately called arnold schwarzenegger fat um he, he's he, arnold introduced himself when he first went to the gym and he said all i see is a fat fuck is uh is the story um and you know that was I guess a catalyst for Arnold to, you know, tighten up his diet and tighten up his training and get some better results. Now, you know, we don't have to all be Vince Gironda and go around calling everyone fat um, or Charles Poliquin, but um, you know, there's if you if you're interested in building muscle, then you know you want to sit lean all year round. You know, there's there's no point getting. Um, super fat and just thinking well yeah i've got a heap of muscle but you know nobody can see it like if you if you're into the gym then half the fun of it is is being lean right so if 
let's take this to the extreme. In extremes, we learn lessons, right? So someone who has diabetes, type 1 diabetes, before there was insulin, type 1 diabetics, what did they look like? They weren't overweight like type 2 diabetics. They weren't over fat like type 2 diabetics. They were skinny, and it didn't matter how much they ate, they were unable to gain muscle. So they stayed skinny and they died skinny. This was the story of type 1 diabetics before uh, you know, artificial insulin was available. Once they started to inject with insulin, I think it was pig insulin to start with, they realized what was missing. Then by, by the injection of insulin, they were able to start storing amino acids and start storing fats and you know, they could gain weight. Okay, so this is pretty much what I did. This is what, you know, this is what I was doing. I was trying to do weights, but I obviously had blood sugar issues. If I didn't eat within a few hours, um, you know, every few hours, I would get extremely anxious and get sweats, you know, get shakes. Like I definitely had a serious issue with blood sugar fluctuation when I was following like a athlete's diet, high carb diet. You know, it, it, it was very dangerous for me and damaging. And I, and I know that a lot of the injuries and challenges that I had with my mental and physical health uh, were related to taking the advice of sports nutritionists, you know, so I, and sports dietitians. And some of those people are still advocating the same approaches. And yes, it will work for some people with high insulin sensitivity, but, you know, go for a walk around the block. If everybody gets that craft test that I spoke about um, on the you know, the podcast talking about uh, blood sugar and diabetes and such, fat gain, you know, most people are going to fail that test. 75% of the population is overweight or obese or pre-diabetic or, you know, if they take that test, they're going to be hyperinsulinemic. So the athletic population isn't immune to this. Just because you're young, you know, it doesn't mean you're not on the path to this. Look at your parents, look at your grandparents. You know, chances are you you know, excessive carbohydrate is going to cause you serious damage because that's the majority of society. Most of the diets that work out there, in some way or another, they're pulsing carbs, where there's, you know, carb backloading and you're having carbs just in the evening um, or carbs just once a week, carbs every three days, carbs only in the morning on the precision nutrition thing, um, you know, eat, stop, eat, all the intermittent fasting things that I've been speaking about, they all have a period of carb restriction or, or you take carbs out for a certain period of time and this allows the body to maintain insulin sensitivity. So you get to gain muscle and you don't get to die quite as young. And it's not just about lifespan, like we're all going to die, but it's about health span. We should be living, you know, until our 80s, 90s, 100, whatever, but live healthy until then, you know, most of us are expected to be physically disabled uh, by 50. You know, the amount of people getting joint replacements and, you know, bodies completely breaking down um, is, you know, it's an epidemic. Orthopedic surgeons are rubbing their fingers together and their hands together, or maybe they're not. Maybe they feel sympathy for the people that they're dealing with. But one orthopedic surgeon who realized that when people made dietary changes, they could avoid joint, joint replacements basically has been struck off as a doctor. That's uh, Dr. Sean Baker, the advocate of the carnivore diet. Okay, so we we need to have this insulin picture under control. If if we don't have good um, you know, insulin sensitivity and appropriate insulin response, so you want low morning blood glucose. Like that's one way to, to get that. And I've spoken about that in other podcasts as well. So if we have low normal morning blood glucose, which would be like 70 uh, on the American system. I think it's 3.8, 3.9 uh, on the Australian system or whatever the units are, you know, that other people use. Um, 
test that. It's easy to get a, t- a thing um, and test it. It doesn't necessarily reflect your insulin. It reflects your blood glucose, but it's better than you know, better than nothing. And it's probably um, yeah, probably going to tell you tell you the story. So if you fasted, if your morning fasted blood glucose is consistently high, then play around with some intermittent fasting. Play around with you know lowering your carb intake. You know maybe think about doing ketogenic diet for a period of time. And it'll change, you know, it, it's more than likely going to change. And as you build more muscle tissue, it will change as well. But chicken or the egg, you know, it's hard to build the muscle tissue if you don't have the insulin sensitivity. Um, it's hard to have insulin sensitivity if you don't have muscle tissue because muscle makes it easier to tolerate a little bit more carbohydrate. Okay, so baseline, here's our number one, insulin sensitivity. We want insulin sensitivity. If we don't have that, then... It's going to be a challenge for us to build muscle. Now, very, very, very interestingly, Maru Di Pasquale, who's uh, one of the you know, guys I think who's had a big influence uh, on Charles Poliquin, uh, and Vince Gironda is another guy who I think uh, is a big influence there. Uh, um, Maru Di Pasquale recommends, and so this guy was, uh, he deadlifted four times body weight. He was a powerlifting champion across bunch of different weight categories so like all the way from like 150 pounds to 220 i think um, so like he knew how to manipulate body weight very well and manipulating body weight and adding muscle mass is a huge part of powerlifting as i was sort of speaking about yesterday bodybuilding and Klokov said this as well if Klokov knew about bodybuilding when he was a weightlifter he would have been a better weightlifter because he would have been able to you know, drop fat rather than trying to drop fluid um, leading into competitions and he would have held a better body composition to compete with. You know, This is something that he says in, in one of his interviews. So bodybuilding is a key part of strength sports. Maru Di Pasquale says, uh, don't take carbs post-workout. Use your insulin sensitivity to get amino acids into the blood. Okay, so he recommends that you focus on amino acids around the workout and not carbs. So your insulin and your insulin sensitivity is used by amino acids rather than being used by carbs. Because if you think about there's only so many locks and they can either be used to take uh, glucose into a cell or they can be used to take the amino acids into the cell. So what we want is for the amino acids to be used, taking more glucose into the cell is, is not as much of a priority because it's not going to have the chronic effect of building muscle mass that we want. Okay, so that's uh, one that goes against the, the status quo. But he's a very, uh, yeah, very knowledgeable, very effective uh, coach. Uh, you probably haven't heard of him. He's, he's not super mainstream, but he, he did have the anabolic diet, uh, which a lot of other diets that you might see around the place uh, are very similar, if not directly uh, taken from the work of uh, Maru Di Pasquale. He's got a few different books there. I actually have a diet myself, the Ryu Lean Diet. Um, I called it, what else do I call it? Uh, nourished fat loss diet is is a, an adaptation on uh, one of his nutritional approaches there, um, the rapid fat loss diet. So his rapid fat loss diet is cool, but I think that it's better if you can do it in a keto way and with a bit more nutrition. Uh, he makes it really easy for overweight people in the rapid fat loss diet. If you if you uh, check out that book or there's probably YouTube videos about it, uh, but I don't agree with his food selection, and I don't think he does long term. I think it's just uh, a way to try and get 
people who are heavily overweight started, um, but extremely effective. I had a lot of people lose five kilos plus in their first week and then, you know, eight, 10, 12 kilos in their first month. And no, it's not the optimal performance diet. Like if your goals are to gain muscle and build strength, that's not the diet for you. But if you're heavily overweight um, or if you've got, you know, 10, 20 kilos of fat to lose, then that's a good place to start because when you lose all that fat, then you start to have insulin sensitivity. Okay, and then if we jump to number two, which we can go with hormones, fat actually is going to be... Uh, it's a secreting hormone as well. It's a, it's it's like a gland as well. Fat is a gland, it, and it secretes hormones, and it has an estrogen secreting effect. Okay, so people who have a lot of body fat also have excessive estrogen issues with excess estrogen. Okay, so our estrogen to testosterone ratio is going to play a role in our performance. Okay, so we want, uh, yeah, we want to drop body fat so that we don't have that estrogenic effect. People who think it's just about calories, like one of the most obvious ways that that becomes ridiculous is if you think about, you know, 12-year-old kids, a boy and a girl. Over the course of the the following years, they both consume the same amount of calories and what's going to happen to their bodies? You know, the guy is going to add some muscle as he becomes an 18-year-old. The girl is going to get boobs, bigger hips, you know, thicker thighs, and that is a is a natural process that we see over and over again. They're having the same amount of calories, but they have a different hormonal environment, okay? The hormonal environment is very important, okay? So that's why we're talking about insulin that goes into that category. But if we think about the other hormones, we must optimize hormonal the hormonal environment to optimize performance, okay? And this goes for women as well. Women who have extremely low testosterone for women will also have low energy levels, low libido, um, and the inability to, to gain muscle mass, okay? So they're not getting testosterone secretion from testes because they don't have testes, but they do still have testosterone, and that does still play a key part uh, in performance, okay? So we need to have an optimal hormonal environment. How do we get that? We get that from a baseline of wellness. We get that from quality sleep. We get that from getting our training volume right. So this is why we can't just go and flog ourselves in the gym and expect the, the result that we want. Because if we flatline our hormones, then we're also going to flatline our recovery and our results. Okay, So unless you're going to supplement hormones, then you have to train smart. And you know that old strength and health, muscle and health, you know, physical culture philosophy is built around that principle of let's let's continue to build vitality and let's train on top of that. So let's not train beyond our level of health and vitality because it's going to take a while to get back from. And this is, you know, the what bodybuilders will often refer to as like staleness, um, overtraining is when you know the body doesn't really want to respond to anything because it's heavily fatigued. Now you can choose to overreach and go into this state from time to time where you're super sore and super tired, but you don't want to hang around there for very long. And mostly those kind of protocols work, you know, better for athletes who supplement hormones, which I'm again not recommending. And I don't think it's as common as a lot of people out there would like to think. You know, people think oh, all all footy players, NRL players are on steroids and stuff like that. I, f- I find that very hard to believe. Like I've been in that environment for a, a long time and for sure, you know, there's guys who've been tested positive with it and they've been caught. 
um, the peptide thing that was there at Cronulla and, you know, probably a little bit across the league with a few other guys, that, you know, a few guys that got caught. You know, that that was borderline That because peptides are similar to amino acids and it wasn't really super clear whether they were illegal or not. And then they became illegal, but it was kind of a little bit too late because people were already sort of, you know, looking at them, playing around with them. And because, you know, they were unsure whether they would be detectable. So, you know, I don't think it's as black and white. Now people know that those kind of peptides are illegal. You know, I don't think you're going to see, uh, yeah, they're not going to be used by a lot of people. Now, on the international athletic scene, uh, if you've seen Icarus, then, yeah, I mean, doping has been a systematic part of elite sport at that highest level, at the Olympic level for a long time but even in that movie he says it's only a percentage of athletes that you know the russian program works with so you know amazing results are possible without without that stuff anyway enough about steroids why do i keep talking about steroids anyway but if i'm listening i'm reading uh bill pearl's book as well at the moment bill pearl was one of the top bodybuilders in the reg park era like just before uh, arnold schwarzenegger and yeah, one of the first sections in the book is about uh, virility. Uh, so basically, that's sex drive. If ba- and he's saying if you don't have sex drive, don't bother training hard. Okay, so he's saying that, that that's a, a foundation and fundamental uh, for gains in the gym. Okay, so you can train you can train up to the point where you feel like you've got you know no no energy for for that sort of business uh, from time to time but you don't want to be living there and if you know if you are there consistently then you need to look at dropping back in the training and doing more wellness promoting practices so things like sauna things like fasting um, things like heart math, uh, breathing, and we can, you know, we'll talk about this in future episodes, but there's a lot of things that we can do to support a healthy hormonal environment. Uh, and it's important that we incorporate those things and continue to consider that alongside our training, right? So everybody's talking about sets and reps and exercise selection for training, but if we don't have this baseline stuff right, then it's not going to work. It's not going to matter. You can do any protocol you like. If you're not insulin sensitive and your hormones are flatlined, then it will not work. Okay. So that's a good thing that you know happened there with the biosignature method. It pulled out a lot of that stuff. And Vince Gironda actually, you know, had, I just read this morning, muscle strains are often a result of mineral imbalances. And this is one of the things that you learn at the Poliquin events, um, it's cool seeing that some of this stuff was known and understood, you know, way back in the 50s and 60s. He was also a big uh, recommender of uh, hydrochloric acid to support digestion. So a lot of the stuff, you know, that we hear about these days actually goes back a, li- a really long way. And en- digestive enzymes, liver extract, those sorts of things were huge um, in the Gironda time. So baseline of virility baseline of hormone sensitivity general health if your liver is over overly burdened okay then hormonal balance will be an issue it's more likely that you're going to become estrogen dominant if you're estrogen dominant then life sucks for a male you know you're going to have more fat accumulation uh, around the pecs around the, the butt and the thighs Okay, so we don't want that. If the liver is being challenged, then that's what's going to happen. We need to clean the liver. We need to support the liver to, to clean itself. Now, the liver is heavily overburdened and, and, and challenged by 
excessive protein intake, but just the general 21st century environment. Like we're all being exposed consistently, you know, to, to chemicals, um, to, you know, fuel toxins, plastics, you know, to live in the 21st century is to be challenged by toxicity. You know, survival of the fittest has become survival of the best detoxifiers. So the liver is an organ which cops it. The pancreas is also an organ which cops it. If your pancreas is stuffed, then you're likely to have issues around digestion. Does anyone know anyone with digestive issues? You know, and you're also likely to have issues around you know, insulin sensitivity and diabetes. So pancreatic cancer is much more likely to pop up if that organ is being stressed and damaged consistently. It makes sense that it could get you know, some deranged cells that operate on a sugar uh, metabolism and um, you know, become rogue operators um, and, and bundle up some of the toxicity as well. You know, cancers have a higher presence of uh, toxins, plastics, chemicals, heavy metals, all those things accumulate more so in tumors than they do in the in the general bloodstream. So they're a feature, not a bug. They're there to do a job because the system is overly burdened and overly challenged. That's why we're seeing cancers popping up left, right, and center. Whether people are dying from them at the same rates as they were you know, 10, 20 years ago is a, is a separate question. But why are they even there and, w- and what can we do to prevent them? Well, that's what this kind of conversation uh, is about. Do you value yourself enough to go and research, to think, to change, uh, and to do things outside of the norm? If you do what everyone else is doing, you're going to get what everyone else is getting, and that pretty much sucks. Okay, so this is this is our opportunity: is get this stuff right, value ourselves, you know, build a muscular, high-performing body, and you know, build a high-performing mind and, and life as well. You know, that's the invitation: is to Live in a different culture. Live in a culture that um, isn't the dominant culture of our time, but it should be. And we can you know, do our best to, to replace the dominant culture of our time with this culture. You know, it's not going to be televised. It's not going to be what's advertised in between. You know, imagine if in between ads on the footy, they were quoting Marcus Aurelius and telling people, "Hey, you can do something amazing with your life. Hey, why don't you, you know, really look after every cell in your body and." embody the thing that you would be most proud for your children you know to grow up to be able to do imagine if that was the propaganda you know in between um breaks in 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 sports you know and i love sports but it it bothers me as you can tell that in between sports all we see is gamble more eat toxic food um you know that's the the messages that people are receiving when they're most suggestible and uh you know Maybe at some stage this will prevent me from working in elite sport again, this opinion. Um, So far it's been okay. Uh, Okay, so we have insulin, we have hormones, immune system. Okay, to wrap this thing up, immune system. uh, There's so much more that we could go on with here. Gut health is a huge one as well. Mineral balance, digestive health, you know. that will play a huge, huge role. Okay, so minerals are, are going to be a function also of digestive health. You know, if we're absorbing things properly, um, but if the immune system is is busted, if the immune system is broken down, we will not be adding muscle. We need to have an excess of vitality and energy to be able to to grow muscle. Okay, so training creates an inflammatory response, and the immune response and the inflammatory response uh, have a lot of overlap. Okay, so if the body is already challenged. With immune challenges, it's trying to knock off a bacteria or a virus, then there's not going to be as much energy there to create the inflammatory response that the muscle needs and to heal that muscle because the body is already putting a lot of energy into other areas. Okay, so without high immune function, do not expect 
muscle growth. Okay, so if the immune system's down, the priority has to be to get the immune system back on deck. Okay, so last year I had a lot of trouble with my immune system. I can you know, speak about what I think you know some of the factors in that might be. Uh, it's becoming clear that one of the factors was to be tending too much towards vegetarianism um, and combining that with fasting was probably very depleting on the body. Uh, but I just kept getting colds last year. Every time I would train hard, I was always on the edge of, of a cold. Um, and you know, there's other factors in that, and I can talk about that another time. But we need that immune system to be nice and strong. Okay, So we don't want to be uh, constantly battling colds and at the same time trying to build muscle. We need to build that base of health and vitality and knocking off a cold or a flu with antibiotics is not the solution. Okay, when antibiotics have been shown to cause extreme amounts of uh, damage to mitochondria, now mitochondria, you know, they will regenerate and, and such. It doesn't mean it's the end of your life if you use antibiotics, but we want to do everything we can to avoid using antibiotics so that we can you know, keep the mitochondria intact, keep the you know the gut balanced and healthy, um, and it's just. For me, it's like a, it's a cheat. Like, okay, I, I would have probably died here if I wasn't living in the antibiotic age, but I'm going to live on because there's a drug here to help me to do that. Okay, that's that's basically what happens. And so, how many times would you or loved ones have actually died from infection, um, whether it's a respiratory infection or you know something peripheral, gangrenous limb, and and that becomes the you know the beginning of the end. You know, we, we need to be able to fight that stuff off. We need to have the baseline of health and vitality that when illness comes, you know, we, we get past it. When there's a flu going around and everybody's getting it, that you don't get it. You know, there's one just been through uh, my house and for the first time in a long time, I, I didn't get it. Like I, I felt a tiny bit of it, you know, like that my immune system's being challenged by it, but no symptoms of, of the actual um, cold, you know, so... This is where we want to be. We need that baseline health, okay? So this is the part two of building muscle. And it's it's for me, it's the biggest part, right? If we can get that insulin sensitivity right, high immune function, virility, um, and high, you know, glandular function, digestive, you know, we didn't get a chance to go through digestion too much, but I'll do a whole episode on that at some stage because I had irritable bowel symptoms uh, for a long long time and uh yeah gut health is a huge issue in modern society and actually the common approaches and what you see in all the gut books you know that stuff didn't actually work for me either but other stuff has so i would like to to share some of that and you know maybe it's going to be things that can help you um as you you might guess that I'm encouraging you guys to to learn and you know you may not make this your full-time passion the way I have you know I've invested many tens of thousands of hours I reckon 20 30,000 hours you know learning about performance and uh, building muscle you know building health and vitality it's been through necessity it's been through my job you, you may not want to go that far with it but it it's you know, it, it needs to be some degree of, of passion. You know, you need to attach enough value to it at least that you can optimize your own existence. Like that's really what I'm encouraging you to do. I don't call myself a biohacker or any of these kind of funky names, but I'm constantly looking for ways to optimize my existence and uh, I encourage others to do the same. Not necessarily through lots of cheeky shortcuts, but, you know, sometimes 
whatever's going to get you on the path and get you moving and then see where that takes us. Um, okay, so that's uh, another episode of Keegan Smith Experience. I think I'm going to do another one talking a, a bit about mind and then we might do some gut um, digestion talk as well because that digestive function is going to be a huge, huge part of hypertrophy as well. We can have reasonable baseline health and be getting a decent stimulus, but if the food side of the situation is is not being handled well. So one part of that is what goes in the mouth, but then the other part is what actually becomes assimilated. Okay, so yeah, we might uh, talk in a bit more detail about what we ingest and then what we assimilate, and then we'll have uh, a pretty good picture of how to have that physical body that we need uh, to perform the way that we want. So muscle for performance. Thanks for jumping on. Appreciate the messages. And uh, yeah, if you want to uh, jump on and and leave a review, that would be much appreciated as well. I might do a shout out on the reviews uh, tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Keegan Smith for Keegan Smith Experience. Man, that guy can talk. But he does it because he loves it. If you loved it, share it. Give us some feedback. What was great? What didn't you like? What was your biggest take-home message? Make sure you stay in touch with us on Instagram and share your wins, people. This win is only going to come if we do it together. We have to take ourselves further. By taking ourselves further, we give permission for everybody around us to make positive changes in their lives and to become the people who they want to become. Everybody's changing the world. You are changing the world. Let's do this together. Let's see how far we can take it. Imagine, imagine if we all put our full heart into becoming the best versions of ourselves every single day.